0: Listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. We've done a lot of real people this season. I want to do some ghosts. Ghosts are real people too, my friend. That's true.
1: I guess I should say
0: we've. Hmm. 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 People famous for being ghosts. Let's say that. (laughs) Okay.
1: We've done a lot of famous people who. uh, Nope, I was going to say famous people who were once alive. That's a ghost, Devin. (laughs) That's a famous ghost. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) how about i take it in the spirit you intended it and quit
0: Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man
0: but before we do that can i tell you a little thing that's happened recently at the empress hotel in victoria oh my
1: gosh how have you and i not gone to high tea at the empress hotel yet First of all, I don't know because we don't travel enough. We have to fix oh, that this year and we travel do. together. We absolutely we do. Separately. Once I move back to Washington, it's happening.
0: So, this was the story from a man named Nick Burchell. Okay. Who he was putting in an application to be allowed to stay at the Empress again because he had been banned. <laughs> have you heard the story? No. What year is this or time period? He sent this letter March 28th of this year. This was very recent. And here's the letter that he sent to the Empress Hotel. Okay. Dear Empress Hotel, this may seem like an unusual request, but I write to you today seeking a pardon. Seventeen years ago, a string of unfortunate events led to my being banned from your hotel. I would like to explain the incident. In 2001, I had recently joined my current employer, and he blanked that out, and I was also in the Canadian Naval Reserve. Mm -hmm. My employer was hosting a customer conference at the Empress, and it was my first event with the company. Good, I'm glad this was also, like, early in this job. (laughs) I told my Navy buddies that I was coming out west, and I was asked to bring Brothers Pepperoni from Halifax. It is a local delicacy. So, I get it, you know, he probably had to put it through the security scanner and everything, It's okay. like Austin Cougar gold cheese. Yes. Because this was the Navy we were talking about, I brought enough for a ship. In a hurry, I had completely filled a suitcase with pepperoni for my friends. <laughs> some of it was wrapped in plastic, some in brown paper. I took whatever brothers would sell me. This is the bag that the airline misplaced. The (laughs) bag reappeared the next day. I knew that the pepperoni would still be good. It had only been at room temperature for a short time, (laughs) but it would be quite some time before I could turn it over to my friends. Just to be safe, I decided that I should keep it cool. My room was a nice, big, front-facing room on the fourth floor. It was well-appointed, but it did not have a refrigerator. It was April. The air was chilly. An easy way to keep all of this food cool would be just to keep it next to an open window. I lifted one of the sashes. (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) You're already losing your mind. Know where this is going. (laughs) I lifted one of the sashes and spread the packages of pepperoni out on the table and (laughs) windowsill. Then I went for so you can picture this, right? Like he's got this great big nice front-facing window in the Empress Hotel, and he's laid out all these packages of pepperoni on the windowsill and on the table right in front of the window, and it's open. Then I went for a walk for about four or five hours. When I had covered enough ground, I returned to the hotel. I don't think you went for a walk for four or five hours. I think you went to a bar. I think you got drunk. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I had covered enough ground, uh-huh. beers, I returned beers. to the hotel. I remember walking down the long hall and opening the door to my room to find an entire flock of seagulls in my room. <laughs> I didn't have time to count, but there must have been 40 of them, and they'd been in my room eating pepperoni for a long time. In case you were wondering, Brother's Pepperoni does nasty things to a seagull's digestive system. As you would expect, the room was covered in seagull crap. What I did not realize until then was that seagulls also drool, especially when they eat pepperoni. I'm sick! What? The I'm fuck? sure you have an image in your head. Now remember that I have just walked into the room and startled all of these birds. <laughs> they immediately started flying around and crashing into things as they desperately tried to leave the room through the small opening by which they had entered. Less composed seagulls are attempting to leave through the other closed I need- windows. <laughs> The result was a tornado of seagull excrement, feathers, pepperoni chunks, and fairly large birds whipping around the room. The lamps were falling, the curtains were trashed, the coffee tray was just disgusting. I can't breathe, hang on. <laughs> deep, deep breath. Deep breath. Birds and opened the remaining windows. Most of the gulls left immediately. One tried to, re- one tried to re-enter the room to grab another piece of pepperoni. And in my agitated state, I took off one of my shoes and threw it at him. Both the gull and the shoe went out the window. I killed Devin. I'm killing her. not a way to go. I can't breathe. By this time, I was down to one gull left in the room, but it was a big one and it didn't want to leave. As I chased it, it ran around the room with a big hunk of pepperoni in its gob. In a moment of clarity, I grabbed a bath towel and jumped it. It started to freak out, so I wrapped it in the towel and threw it out the window. I'd forgotten that seagulls can't fly when they're wrapped in a towel. <laughs>
1: oh, and he's on the fourth floor!
0: This is all happening fairly quickly and this is mid-afternoon. The Empress hosts a very famous and very popular high tea. No. I suspect this is where the large group of tourists were heading when they were struck by first my shoe <laughs> and then a bound-up seagull. <laughs> I'm drowning! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. As he says, let's go back to my little housekeeping issue Their room was bad. There was a lot of damage. Yeah. yeah, like this isn't the fucking Radisson. This isn't the Red Lion, you know. Mm-mm. This isn't Super 8. Oh, this is the Empress. They
1: have real furniture people. Like actual <sighs> beds, not the IKEA press
0: board stuff. Yeah, like clothes hangers you can actually take off the rod. That's how you, you know want a fancy hotel. <laughs> I was new to my company, and I was really trying to make a good impression at this important event. I decided I would carry on for now and handle this whole thing later. We've all had that moment oh, God. where you're like, I I can't with this. Oh, my God. I, I then realized that I had only a few minutes before an important dinner, and I had only one shoe. <laughs> I... I, I <laughs> that's right I made my way to one of the side doors and recovered both the shoe and the towel that were laying in some wet soil near the walking path so I guess the seagull was okay okay yeah the shoe was a mess I took it back to the room by this time I closed the windows good call dude yeah six hours too late yeah but... and the air was becoming quite ripe with the smell of digested pepperoni and fish oh god <laughs> I went into the washroom and rinsed the mud off my shoe it cleaned off nicely but now I had one wet dark shoe and one dry light colored shoe In retrospect, I should have just wet the dry shoe. Yeah. Instead, I chose to dry the wet shoe using a little hairdryer. It was actually doing quite well. I had the hairdryer jammed in there and the shoe was drying quite nicely. Then the phone rang.
1: Oh, my God. I walked
0: to the next room to answer it and the power goes off. It turns out that the hairdryer had vibrated free of the shoe and fallen into the sink full of water. (laughs) i don't know how much of the hotel's power i knocked out but at that point i decided i needed help yeah (laughs) that was the point i called the front desk and asked for someone to help me clean up a mess (laughs) i can still remember the look on the lady's face when she opened the door i had absolutely no idea what to tell her so i just said I'm sorry. And I went to dinner. <laughs> when I came back, my things had been moved to a much smaller room. Yeah. I thought that was the end of it all until I was told my company had received a letter banning me from the (gasps) empress a ban that I have respected for almost 18 years. I have matured, and I admit responsibility for my actions. I come to you hat in hand to apologize for the damage I had indirectly come to cause and to ask that you reconsider my lifetime ban from the property. (laughs) I hope that you will see fit to either grant me a pardon or consider my 18 years away from the Empress's time, Served. Thank you very much for your consideration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's an update from oh, a couple days later. Oh. He says, after reviewing my application, the manager has notified me verbally. I will once again be welcome as a guest. I bet it was the Pound of Brothers pepperoni that I gave them as a peace offering that did the trick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that man knows how to send an apology letter. You just you <laughs> stuff the envelope full of sausage
0: yep, that was a thing. That was sure a thing. And at first they were like, okay, yeah, this is April Fool's Day, but they actually looked at the records and they were like, oh no, this is absolutely a true story.
1: Yes. <laughs> this happened. My goodness. Oh my God. I feel so, like you said, we all get to that point where you're just like, I don't know how things have spiraled out of control. I don't know how my life got so... Quickly away from me, mm-hmm. but you 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 get hit with that realization. But holy shit! After forty seagulls ate an entire butcher shop and shat themselves empty in your room,
0: yeah. Like, and then he, don't forget he threw a shoe and a seagull at some tourists. <laughs> How could a I shit
1: forget seagull. a shit seagull? Here I have a shit shoe and a shit bird <laughs> wrapped in a very nice towel <laughs> on your way to tea. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, wonder what uh, prompted him. To, you know, is it is it his anniversary or something? And he wants to yeah. take his wife there. And so he had to A be like, question. honey, we got to come clean. This is why I've never taken you to the Empress in our 15 years of marriage.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, of all the things. Um like, yeah. does he live around there or? hmm Yeah, I really, really wonder. Mm-hmm. Amazing, though, of all the hotels in all the world, he was like, all right, I've stayed away for 18 years. And maybe somebody was just like, hey, we're going to go up to the the empress you want to come. And he just got that far away look and said, it's been 18 years. Gets all (laughs) glassy. Yeah. (laughs) Camera (laughs) camera pushes in.
1: Right there with you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, God bless you, man. You can hang with us anytime.
0: When I first encountered it, the headline said that he didn't know West Coast seagulls were so aggressive. But that wasn't in the letter. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was... I don't know. I don't know what
1: that's from. That headline that he didn't know that they were so aggressive, that you posted on our Facebook. Because that rings a bell. Oh, yes. But no, the rest of the story I was unaware of. I thought it was Mm -hmm. from the headline. It sounds like some dude had a... I guess I should have been more curious about this, but he had a handbag full of, you know, sausages that the birds took off with. I'm frankly glad you didn't because that meant I got to share it with you. (laughs) (laughs) Usually more curious, but I've been around West Coast Seagulls, so really that didn't seem bizarre to me. Like, fuck yeah, they're going to take, they'll take your kid. You know, they're not just going to eat his (laughs) ice cream cone. They're going to take the whole child.
0: (sighs) Okay, well, I have two that I could do for you. Would you rather have... Uh, Eastern Washington ghost by itself right. or a ghost with an exorcism?
1: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, do the ghost by itself first and then I'm going to save the ghost with the exorcism for dessert.
0: Alright, so you actually went to Eastern Washington University. I and did. Did you ever hear about the Dryden Hall demon?
1: <gasps> what? No, I kn- Dryden Hall's a dormitory, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it's one of the were- circular dormitories. I didn't, I went to Eastern in 2006 through 2008 is when I graduated, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to live on campus because I did my first two years at community college. And by that time, yeah. I was married to Erin and, you know, like had a spouse. We weren't going to do spousal accommodation stuff on campus.
0: No, I think I just lived with you during that time period. You did. I looked into this a bit. Okay. It is, yeah, it's a residence hall in Cheney. And on the campus of Eastern Washington University, uh, it, the haunted part of it is already disputed. This is one where it's a very, it's got a very, uh, steps to hell vibe where you're like, it was this, or maybe it was this, oh. or maybe this happened because that's the oral tradition for yeah. you. It was originally constructed as an all female dorm. Mm-hmm. It was named for a professor who worked at Eastern. It's co-ed now. Okay. And the North Wing is for residents 21 and over. And they say that's the part that is haunted. And so there's two versions of this. One is that on the outer wall of the North Wing, at night, the lights that shine on it form the shape of a mysterious screaming face. And at first, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, everything looks like faces. Right. And if you just move it, you know, we'll fix the lights and it won't look like a face anymore. Yeah. But according to the story, no matter how many times the groundskeepers changed the position of the lights, the face still appeared. Ooh. Okay. So that's spooky. Alternately, some people say that it is one of the dorm rooms, specifically 309, that in the wood grain is a screaming face. Oh. I don't know.
1: So the dorm room one I had heard. Oh, okay. The screaming wood face I had heard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or no, sorry. It's room 203. Okay. And I'm like, I've seen a picture online Mm -hmm. of the lights making the face. I haven't seen a picture of the wood grain face. And either way, our brains like to see faces. Oh, yeah. That's one of the problems with, I think, a lot of,
1: you know, photos of ghosts or photos of supposed ghosts is your your eyes want to matrix that bizarre random assortment into something it recognizes and it loves faces faces are great they're either danger so you should recognize it or they're a friend
0: so you should recognize it right remember the face on mars yes when we were in high school or so and and it was like oh actually if if you light it from any other direction it doesn't look anything like a face yeah all right (sighs) <sighs> they call it the Dryden Demon, I guess, for alliteration purposes. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. And either way you hear the story, the legend is that it has something to do with a suicide yeah. in there, because that's those are, like, prime ghost associations, right? Like, it's, for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's, like, explanations of this, and people who do paranormal stuff could tell me all about it, that... You know, when somebody dies of natural causes at the end of a long, fulfilling life, we don't expect a ghost as much as when somebody's potential is cut very short. Right, Which is notable when they're in college. Because college has all those associations of, like, you know, the best time of your life, and you're young, and you're healthy and beautiful, and blah, 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 blah. That, in itself, I've always found kind of, like, mm, I think it kind of – Others' suicide in a way that makes it a little yeah, more glamorous than for sure I possibly like. But what somebody has actually found is that there was a young woman who took her own life in 2005. Okay, and there's a website that talks about this as a suicide cover-up and talks about it like it's a bit of a conspiracy. But as I read even their stuff, as I was reading what they wrote. I think that they were just doing a good job reporting on this and not being sensational. This person says no cooperation from any official faculty or staff with poor press coverage suggests a cover up or an attempt to hide information. I think that's a weird conclusion. I think it's that suicide is a, a personal and sad and mundane thing. The other one is they're like, oh, well, somebody, a young man killed himself in the room in the 1960s. It's like, well, it was built in 1965 as an all-female dorm. <clears> as a dorm, woman's dorm, so yeah. So he, he went to some extra effort if <laughs> Were that the case.
1: <laughs> they, back then, they weren't building them like Hogwarts. You know, it didn't turn yeah. into a big slide to dump you out of the all-girl <laughs> dorm.
0: Yes. This is one that I have a hard time getting as much into, even though I've seen a picture. What does it look like? Should I look it up right now? Yeah, look it up. Take a look at it. Google Dryden Demon EWU. You'll get a picture of it. It looks as much like a face as like anything, but it's kind of like a constellation sort of effect, Are you right? kidding
1: me? This is what they want us. It looks like a... If you want to convince me this is a face, then you are a radio technician who can tell me which part of the baby I'm looking at in an ultrasound because
0: <laughs> that's an art. Yeah. <laughs> this is that
1: kind of face. You I, Like, I get it. Yeah. I see the indents for an eyes and I see a nose and I see an open mouth, but oh my God, my sheets have looked like this before.
0: Right. It, it's sort of like anything with a relatively flowy sort of shape is yeah. going to look like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I was at Eastern, I had already done all of my general education requirements for the most part. So I was mm-hmm. mostly in the art building And what we talked about was how we felt like the art building was a big cylinder and it had staircases that kind of double helixed up to the second floor. And uh, what we all talked about was how it felt like a, whatever the opposite of a prayer wheel was, like no one could make good art in that building. You felt Mm. super oppressive. It felt like, and this is woo, it felt like a negative energy vortex, and you just felt like you were charging it. You were spiraling up this energy as you went up or down the stairs. So there wasn't anything paranormal, supernatural, whatever that was happening. But we just, everyone in my cohort felt so unhappy and oppressed trying to make art in that building.
0: Oh!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that That's was bad.
0: amazing and depressing.
1: <laughs> so depressing. It was just really kind of impossible to get into the right headspace or to feel creative enough to make art in there. You just felt way oppressed.
0: So the other campus haunting, yes. actually, this is a theme that I wanted to tell you about was the Monahan Mansion on Gonzaga <sighs> University's campus. I
1: almost researched that for today's episode. <gasps> you did? I did. Oh I looked gosh. at Patsy Clark's. I looked at the Bozarth Mansion. And because I was looking at Bozarth, Monahan came up. I see. And I didn't read into it. I found something totally different to tell you. But oh my
0: goodness, (laughs) I've
1: heard that that's the music hall on Gonzaga campus, right? That's supposed to be haunted. Yes.
0: Yes. It's (gasps) supposed to be haunted. And famously, you gasped.
1: Well, yeah. I was like, well, no wonder this is the exorcism because Gonzaga, if you don't know folks, is a Jesuit Catholic campus. So they still believe in exorcisms.
0: Yes. And actually have a lot of things to say about oh my exorcisms oh my gosh so sorry it's Mahan famously haunted Mansion you said famously haunted so on the western edge of campus there's a victorian mansion so as gonzaga has grown it was founded as gonzaga college you know quite small and as it's grown and expanded um all the way down to the river all the way back almost to indiana the street not the state i realized what that was (laughs) sounding like as i was saying it all the way to indiana it's the biggest university it's bigger than several states (laughs) It's absorbed various houses, and some of them have become, like, residential places for the students, and some of them, they've turned into campus buildings. Right. So, this was the home of an entrepreneur who was born in Ireland, and came over to the U.S. and got rich. You know, he started hauling freight and trading, and he supplied the army. Okay. And he was one of the early businessmen and landowners who was involved in starting spokane basically founding it as a town yeah and because he was well off he built this beautiful mansion in 1898 and it's really lovely it's kind of gray stone for once it's not a kirtland cutter (laughs) thing as far as i can tell (laughs) it's just a very classic like you know here's a nice porch yeah it's a mansion but it's not like one of those that stresses you out because it's just so big yeah It's, it's very pretty Jim dies in 1916. He's 75, comfortably surrounded by family. And many, many years later, the mansion is absorbed by Gonzaga okay. because, of course, having a nice, big, well built space like that makes a lot of sense. Totally. But I don't know if they used it for other things, but at the time the paranormal stuff starts or at least goes on record, it's the 70s. Okay. And it's being used as the music area. Okay. Having a house be a music building makes a lot of sense. You need to have spaces where people can kind of partition themselves off and not be crossing sound waves, you know, not be hearing other people sing Gilbert and Sullivan while you're trying to compose a rock (laughs) anthem or whatever. (laughs) You know, you've got to have a bunch of pianos all over the place doing this. So it's not like a performance hall. It's more this is where you'd go practice things. Yeah, Monaghan Mansion is just like rehearsal spaces, as far as I know, never been in there, mm-hmm. been past it a lot, mm-hmm. but have never been in there. The most dramatic version is what I'll read. Yes, that. always, always so, what I'm going to agree to. Yes. So it's the 1974-1975 school year. All right. And Monaghan Hall is housing the university's music conservatory. So it's got the practice rooms, the classrooms, and the professor's offices. Okay. And the students start to say, we are hearing footsteps when nobody's here. Okay. And it's freaking us out. This is not cool. We're not into it. This is stressful. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how they put it. I bet it was. I mean, it's like, kids,
1: you're fucking deal with it. You're on stage, just perform through it. I have no <laughs> they're, sympathy. They're getting
0: creep, creeped out by this and getting alarmed. And then they get in contact with Father Lee Dale, who apparently taught in that program. Okay. Right. And they're like, Oh, we don't like this. We don't like this. And he's like, okay, I'm going to show you. There's nothing to be scared of. And I'm going to sleep in my office on a rollaway bed. <laughs> good job. So,
1: Good job. <laughs> For a man who never had children, you are dealing with kids in a great way, father. <laughs>
0: yes. They do call him father. Yeah. One evening, while the good father was about to unlock a classroom door, the handle of the door turned suddenly by itself. And the door was flung open by a hostile, unseen presence.
1: <gasps> mm. Opening
0: doors. One evening, the Monahan Hulk housekeeper heard a repeated refrain of organ music coming from the dark, locked organ room. When she unlocked the organ room door and turned on the light, she saw the organ keys. Every time I say it, I feel like I'm getting closer to saying Oregon. <laughs> Being diligently played in time to the melody heard, but with no visible player practicing housekeepers got more
1: balls than i do i'd
0: have kept that door fucking shut let me look into this i'd be like i couldn't sleep in there today yep about two months later in the evening father leedale heard a flutist is what this put instead of flautist. okay playing a melody right in the hall outside his studio door when he looked out into the hall the music had stopped and no one was in sight he found out later that this musical tune he'd heard was the same refrain the housekeeper had heard coming from the organ room (gasps) that's kind of cool yes Yes. Father Lee Dale and a student heard a growling noise coming from a locked storage room in the basement. When unlocked, there was nothing seen in the room that could have made this noise. So, like, not a stray dog that fell in, yeah. not, like, a thing getting scraped along the floor because it's falling or whatever. Yeah. What they do, Father Lee Dale, the Department Chairman of Music, and a couple other people are like, okay... But let's go through the whole house right like let's not just sort of wait for this to come to us let's go to it all right and according to this hauntedhouses.com report <laughs> uh, <laughs> what they found on the third floor was a hostile oppressive unseen presence that obviously wasn't planning on leaving anytime soon the two guards felt this hostile force holding and trying to strangle them Ooh. One of them was frozen, and Father Lidale's skin reacted to something hostile, cold, and menacing, bearing down on them all. They all managed to escape the third floor and made plans to hold a rite of exorcism. Okay. Yeah. That's the extreme version that I think people pull a couple details out of when they feel like – rewriting. Them. Yeah, <laughs> okay. But basically the same components show up in every article, right? So there's a housekeeper who hears the organ being mm-hmm. played. There's Father Leedale. hears the flute music. Okay. Oh, this version says that in February, Leedale was absentmindedly and repeatedly playing an eight-note tune on a piano in the building when he was interrupted by the sudden entrance of the cleaner, who thought she was going to catch the culprit at last. When the cleaner found Leedale at the piano, she explained his tune was the same one she'd heard previously coming from the organ room. Leedale then realized it was also the same tune he'd heard being played by the mysterious flautists. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Mysterious flautist one. So... <laughs> There was only one
1: flout.
0: Only one flout in the mix. (laughs) (laughs) He said he was totally skeptical about the whole issue at first, but he gradually started to investigate on his own what he thought was, like, just power of suggestion, right? Sure. Like, he said students reported different types of things, but mostly the footsteps sort of thing. Okay. And he increasingly started to go, ooh, okay, the, the vibe is bad in here. Yeah. However, one expresses that when one is a Catholic priest in 1974.
1: <laughs> now, one thing that was exactly I would like it. to point.
0: <laughs> is yes. The ghosts are jive-ass turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> that's completely it. Yeah. One thing that's important to point out before we get into the whole, he decides to do an exorcism yeah. thing. Yeah. This is 1974 to 1975 school year. The film The Exorcist came out in 1973. Yeah. So this is very of the time right this is is. a time when people are excited about paranormal stuff Mm -hmm. and let me take a little sidebar into the whole exorcism thing
1: good i have questions that maybe you can answer
0: okay do you want to start with your questions
1: uh to do an official exorcism i mean i know that my, I think so. Jason, my husband, is super into exorcisms. He oh, I is didn't
0: know that was a hobby one to have.
1: <laughs> well, he doesn't like to exercise, you see. But <laughs> same. However, yeah. Uh, I mean, just like thinks that that kind of stuff is fascinating. So we've watched so many of the Hollywood exorcism movies, <laughs> and I believe the Catholic Church still endorses exorcisms in certain cases, right? Like, it's still a thing that the Catholic Church says can be done.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, there are still exorcists in the Catholic Church. Yeah. uh, And they still do perform exorcisms. Okay. But I'll put my little disclaimer in here, although I'm not a Catholic right now, I was actually joined and did all my rite of christian initiation for adults as a college student so i was a baptized confirmed etc catholic for a good few years there and as an adult so had more chances to be like what's this about what are you doing why is this what you do right
1: right you had more of an academic leaning into why you were choosing catholicism as opposed
0: to just being brought up with it and Yes, which I also was, but in a sort of abstract way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's significant as well that it's like this, I went to a Jesuit church. Gonzaga's a Jesuit campus. Mm -hmm. The current Pope is a Jesuit. And of all the various like branches of Catholicism, Jesuits are the ones that you associate with education, academia, research. My mom actually taught at Gonzaga for a while when we first moved out here. And she said, you know, there's a component of What they teach and what they do—that is definitely informed by that. But it's, you know, she wasn't expected to attend mass or anything, right? Yeah. So what's what's your your understanding is that, which is correct, is that exorcisms are still an option in the Catholic Church. Still an option, but
1: and then my question or my like, I'm going to say a thing and tell me how wrong I am to actually perform an exorcism, like a church-sanctioned exorcism. I think you have to have, like, permission from the Holy See or permission from a cardinal or someone who's fancy high up. And especially in recent years, it's difficult to get them to approve.
0: Yes, both those things are correct. Okay. So, the, the essence of exorcism in the Catholic Church is that it's understood and believed, basically, that there are supernatural elements in the world Mm -hmm. and that priests are empowered to deal with these however the movie the exorcist (laughs) basically revived this as a thing in a way that it hadn't been for centuries okay so it's basically you know something that was a huge concern in say the 1600s right and then was almost never done and then you get the movie the exorcist and all of a sudden everybody's like i need an exorcism i need an exorcism yeah and there's a couple things one is you have to get permission from the local bishop okay formally expressly not just like you're an exorcist do your thing they can only be performed by ordained priests or higher <laughs> because believe me there's a hierarchy wait um, there's something
1: under a pre. Well, yeah i guess so huh if you're not an yeah, ordained like a yeah there you go A nun can't do it. Nuns, they don't let nuns do anything.
0: They ain't let nuns do much. Nothing. So you have to be very strong in your faith. Mm -hmm. And what it is is the church asking publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one and withdrawn from his dominion. So most of the movie exorcism stuff is not real. Right. Right. However, because of the way movies work a lot of people, and I'm trying not to be a snobby former Catholic here, this is how the Catholic Church does exorcism. How other churches have decided to do exorcisms is totally out of my domain here. right? So the yelling and the throwing holy water everywhere and, you know, violence and candles and all this kind of stuff may well happen with how some people do exorcisms. But Oh. The Catholic Church these days is very careful. Like, first of all, they will not do it unless they have had a mental health professional sign off that what's happening with you is not a mental health issue. I um, like it. Yeah, they're, they're very formally like, look, a lot of what people think of as demon possession, it's actually addiction or mm. mental health problems. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because <laughs> I mean... Yeah,
1: I'm not a Catholic, but if someone comes up to me and tells me that they hear a demonic voice, I am not going to automatically think, cool, let's get you an exorcism because a demon is talking to you. I'm going to think you're having a mental issue. Let's get you medical help first. That'll be my go to. Right.
0: Yes. And that's one of the important things that the church tries to do for every diocese, mm. which is the area that a bishop is in charge of, okay. is they want to have somebody in every diocese, not necessarily who is an exorcist, but who can assess people who are pursuing exorcisms. So okay. this person is going to have a doctor they can call, they're going to have a psychiatrist they can call okay. together, they're going to sit down and say, you know, here's what this person is telling me, what are they telling you? Okay, And say, what help does this person actually need? Okay. do they need us to you know hook them up with some kind of rehab facility do they need counseling do they need inpatient like or are they having some kind of spiritual crisis but it's not flat out demon possession right right? do they need to know that somebody's there caring after them so Mm -hmm. maybe they need somebody to pray for them Mm -hmm. or they need pastoral counseling or something Mm -hmm. like that so again very rare they mostly keep them secret because they don't like all the the drama and the attention yeah And, yeah, it's very, very bad in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is very – what's the word I'm looking for? Frugal with its sacraments. And so to perform an exorcism without permission – would be very bad. And a lot of this is from like the 1999 revision by the Vatican okay. of the official guidelines for exorcism. Okay. So the first official guidelines were in 1614 <sighs> and I would say obviously they revised them some since then, but no, there's some stuff they haven't revised since then. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not obvious. <laughs> no. Yes. I mean, this is a weird thing to talk about, but according to Catholic belief, the devil is real, Mm -hmm. and the devil is a force that can intervene in your life. Mm -hmm. Very few people are actually going to ever need an exorcism to handle this. Yeah. So the bishop, let's see, who is this bishop that I was looking at for this? Where'd you come from? Where'd you come from? Oh, Springfield. Where'd you come from, Bishop Bishop Thomas Paprocki? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Bishop Poprocks of (laughs) Illinois. (laughs) Yeah said you know there there are hucksters obviously yeah. there are people who will say that they are legitimately in this and what they've done is ripped off a bunch of movies and are just scamming people but there are some things that in the church they say like this is a sign that somebody's actually being possessed by a demon okay. or the devil if you're talking in a language that you have no reason to know yeah not good um <laughs> if you are incredibly strong if you mm-hmm. all of a sudden are very freaked out by spiritual things okay. and severe sleeplessness, lack of appetite and cutting, scratching and biting the skin. Okay, those last two. <laughs> Wait, so if you're a toddler, you-, yeah. <laughs> you don't scream or
1: you don't sleep, you scream a lot, you bite things, you don't understand yeah. the language necessarily that you're speaking. And you've got this incredible amount of strength out of nowhere.
0: Yes. Or, you know, you're on PCP, also an option. Um, I don't know. He just keeps saying he's the fire starter. (laughs) Twisted fire starter. (laughs) It's it's awkward for Catholics, I think, to talk about this in some ways because as a body, I think Christianity has moved away from talking about the devil in mainstream stuff. I know there are a lot of churches that are very conscious of, you know, the devil and the adversary and Satan as a big part of what they're fighting against in the world. But most, you know mainstream protestants don't say the devil yeah but uh other things that are signs of demonic invasion might involve the room getting really cold um Mm -hmm. their voice changes Mm -hmm. they can predict future events they can levitate stuff i want to be possessed exciting
1: that sounds fun (laughs) no No, i don't i'm sorry i wasn't supposed to say that i don't (laughs) actually want to be possessed i want to be able to levitate i'm not allowing an entity to inhabit my vessel by saying that. I didn't just like Beetlejuice three times. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Come on, though. That movie is held up so well. It has. Uh,
1: Who doesn't so want X-Men powers? I'm going to levitate that shit. I'm going to make this. I, no more messing with that thermometer, Jason. You sit your ass <laughs> down. I'm going to cold it up in here. Or heat it up in here.
0: You know? <sighs> oh, my God. So, yes. So, what an exorcist will actually do is basically confront the evil and... Command the de- the demons to retreat, basically saying, whatever's whatever's in this person, s- get out of here.
1: I'm sorry. That's what I do every time I go into my parents' basement, basically. He's just announced <laughs> to the room at large, you don't fuck with me while I'm down here. I'm doing the laundry. It's your boy. It's your boy. You're not. You're not going to jump scare me. You're not going to growl. You're not going to make noises. The power is not going to short out. I don't care if you're ghosting up this house right now. You're not going to do it while I'm here. And that just makes... That's how I do with spiders. Right. Not on my watch. Get back to your spider hole.
0: I'm happy you're here. I just don't want to see you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Eat those (laughs) bugs, but just come out after dark when I'm in a different room.
0: Yeah. Yes. So I perform an exorcism,
1: like, on the daily. (laughs)
0: Oh. All right. So all that to say. Okay. Which, that famously what people say is that Monahan Hall was exercised. It was not. Okay. Uh, Father Ledale did not go get permission to do this. And okay not least, you'll notice at no point did I say, here's how you exercise a house. <laughs> That's because a good point. I don't think I don't think the Catholic Church believes that Satan gets in two structures. <laughs> into your drywall as far as i know exorcism (laughs) is a thing you do to people okay so what he did do though is he did a cleansing ritual and he offered prayers of blessing okay so he did it six times over the next four days with help uh he said that the so let's see somebody who helped him Said that the crucifix around Father Liedel's neck began to swing of its own accord during all this. Okay. The candles kept blowing out. What Liedel said is honest to God, I don't know what it was, but I can say that Christians, I guess, pre- fathers priests say honest to God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess that's not blasphemous, I suppose. If they're being <laughs> honest, to honest to God. Yeah. Okay. But I can say that Christians believe that there are evil forces in the world and that we as Christians pray to God to protect us from them or for the strength to deal with them. That's what I was doing at the music building. Okay. on the 28th so they did this on February 24th 1975 okay. is when they did their four days yeah. so on the 28th the last day of this the live-in student caretaker met them as they were coming in and said I smell smoke Oh. and I'm looking for what's going on here and they searched the whole building and they don't find anything that's on fire but the second floor has this huge smell of ozone and sulfur okay and as to how successful this was at settling whatever was happening, it's inconclusive. So Dale said, okay, it was done. Like the haunting activity stopped okay. and presumably his office was still there. <laughs> in 1979, security guards were actually in the attic and they saw a large blackboard on wheels roll toward them across the creaky floor. Oh god. Until it pressed against one of them. Mm. <sighs> <laughs> so I wouldn't want to go in the attic. No. Out there. I'm very perturbed by this. No. But let me read you an exciting story from someone on unexplainedmysteries.com okay. who claims to have worked there in the early 70s as the executive secretary for the executive director of Gonzaga University School of Music. So the executive director's name was Dr. Daniel Brenner. I think he's the one who's like, oh, you know, the cross was swinging. Okay. Um, They had a ballroom there where the choir rehearsed, apparently. Nice. I'm just going to read this because it's a hell of a thing. Yeah. Early in the year, there was a robbery on the third floor and many musical instruments were stolen. After that, arrangements were made to regularly patrol the music building to try to prevent such further occurrences. Both Dr. Brenner and Father Leedale were with the patrol in the ballroom one evening when they reportedly ran into something invisible, cold, and soft like a marshmallow, which <laughs> prevented them from <laughs> continuing further. <laughs> Evil marshmallow. <laughs> Freezer jello says, nope. You're done. Yep. <laughs> Listen, we all, you know, put on a little weight over the winter <laughs> to give Satan a break here. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so she has other stories of, you know, I put this thing over here and then it turned up over there and cold spots yeah. and this and that. So it was also reported that people from the outside would see something quickly flying past all the windows. First, second, third floor it didn't matter. The administration had made arrangements for someone to sleep in the house to help keep an eye on things. Presumably, that's the student caretaker. Okay, I think it was that person who climbed into a hole in the dirt wall in the basement, which, first of all, dirt wall, basement, no. No. Leave it alone. Yeah. Leave it alone. And found a picture in a spittoon with a Prince Albert tobacco can in the spittoon. Okay. (laughs) It was around Valentine's Day, and when I came to work and saw the Prince Albert tobacco can, I asked if I could have it. They quickly gave it to me and then showed me the picture. It was the picture of a turn-of-the-century gravesite. There was a coffin with a lot of flowers on top, and in amongst the flowers was nestled the picture of a young man. There was a tent set up around the coffin and gravesite, and from the top of the tent hung two upside-down crosses, one black and one white. They said it was a picture of Lieutenant Monaghan, who was killed in ambush during the Spanish-American War. So this is true that Spokane Jim Monahan had a son. Okay. And his son did die during the Spanish-American War trying to protect a friend of his while they were under attack. Okay. When people are trying to kind of work backward and say, well, how would this haunting have started? They're like, oh, it was, you know, of course, the guy whose name is on the building. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he died old and happy. Mm-hmm. But could it have been this Lieutenant Monahan whose life was cut short? And the upside-down crosses are associated with this young man's death. The thing is that upside-down crosses are, again, like a Hollywood thing about Satan and badness in the church. They're actually a symbol of the Pope because – Really? I don't want to say the legend has it, but according to the Catholic faith, St. Peter was crucified upside-down. Oh, that's right. Because he didn't want to be crucified the same way as Jesus. Jesus, yeah. So – and, you know, the Pope – has the throne of Peter, etc. So okay. that's the symbol. So you can use upside down crosses quite readily in this kind of thing, especially to mean a martyr or someone who's died before their time. Okay, Like, for instance, someone who died young because he was protecting a friend of his. Because it, yeah,
1: <sighs> Hey, Liz, is it real? Do they hit the Pope with a hammer when he dies? No. <laughs> no, I think they do. I don't know why I asked okay. you a question I didn't want the answer to. <laughs> Do that to you so often, (laughs) Liz. I want your expertise. Wait, it doesn't jive with what's in my head. Never mind,
0: (laughs) dismissed. No, I should say it's extremely undetermined. It would, I think. You can't completely rule it out because doing weird stuff because they've done it forever is absolutely the Vatican's wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. At some point, did they have some kind of formal system for checking if somebody was actually dead? Definitely. Yeah, all right. I believe that. All right. All right. <laughs> I don't I don't think they do it these days, but I could be wrong. I've never been there when a pope died, no matter what anybody tells you. <laughs>
1: that sounds exactly like something someone would say if they had been there when a pope died and they just didn't want False. you nosing around in it
0: completely false oh uh, man so yeah so they they did cleansing prayers and spirits okay. or, and rites i guess yeah through this it was not a formal exorcism okay. uh for for several reasons
1: well no wonder it didn't work liz no wonder they still <laughs> see shit flying around the you know floors
0: <laughs> maybe that is it yeah i would be so interested to hear from people who who have been there more recently, to say does yeah. it still have that reputation, have they still heard stuff. What one of the problems, so it, it seems at first promising, right, that we're like, okay, there's a young man, he died before his time, it was violent, the okay. crosses were turned upside yeah. down. I don't know, this Gonzaga bulletin says, the crosses placed about his casket were all turned upside down, a negative symbol in the Roman Catholic Church. And I'm like, Gonzaga bulletin? Yeah, you guys know. Were you in a rush? Wait. But... <laughs> So people are like, okay, (laughs) maybe that's the spirit. But the problem is he was killed in 1899. The house wasn't actually finished until 1901. Okay, So they started building it three years earlier, but it would be very strange for them to have a wake or a funeral at this house that he'd never lived in, wasn't finished, you know? Right.
1: There's no reason to invite a spirit back into that house or to into that house, you know, to begin with. Yeah. There's nothing there. Yeah to attract it doesn't I don't know that dog doesn't hunt for me I don't think that logic follows
0: I don't think it does let me tell you a little more from this executive secretary of the executive director oh
1: the executive secretary has more did she (laughs) did she save this photo with the upside down crosses and the Prince Albert can can we see this
0: no apparently the housekeeper told her that they tried to burn the picture but it wouldn't burn so they buried it that's a strange reaction (laughs) I don't think I've ever tried to burn a photograph. No, just- I think she You should I
1: throw it away. Put it in the trash. Wait. Yeah. But it was evil, Liz. The upside down crosses, don't you know?
0: There you go. Yeah. I was on my way home that day with a Prince Albert tobacco can, which is- I, I like how she spells it all the way out every time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Was she- I think she was uh, uh, getting paid by them to advertise- you know,
0: I <laughs> I think she was a hoarder. <laughs> <But> <laughs> this is worth something. But here's what she thinks: I started thinking I would put Frango mints, so apparently she's shilling for <laughs> she them also. For them too. In the can for my boyfriend's Valentine's Day present. In the Prince Albert
1: tobacco can,
0: tobacco can that she got out of a hole in a dirt cellar. <laughs> he's gonna be disappointed. And might have Satan in it. Yeah. Either yeah. way, he's
1: unhappy when he opens it.
0: Okay. But don't worry, then I began to worry that the spirit might enter the frangos and my boyfriend would turn into the spirit. (laughs) Good thinking. Good job. Good thinking, Kimball. (laughs) You were, you cracked it. Good. Yeah, don't do that. Spirit might be in the can. Now, he can't get your boyfriend unless you put food in the can and then feed your boyfriend the food, so otherwise you're fine.
1: (laughs) Take it home. Put daisies or some shit in it. Use it as a vase. You'll be okay.
0: The evil daisies. (laughs) Uh, I was glad to find my roommate was home when I got there and I told her all about what had just happened. She told me to take that Prince Albert tobacco. (laughs) (laughs) Right? right back outside and put it in the milk box on the front porch, and that I was to take the Prince Albert to <laughs> <laughs> bed. <Back to> the- <laughs> I didn't even realize this was the first time I read it through, but having to say it you over do- and over is just killing me. <laughs> you have to say it each time. Okay, so she had to put it in the milk box on the front porch, which I guess is, like, your designated Satan containment area <laughs> in the day. Yeah. I'm baffled that it's the 70s, and she's getting I don't know. Is she getting a milk delivery or is it just that their house still has a milk box? I'm curious. So I put the Prince Albert back (laughs) can in a milk box. (laughs) (laughs) The next morning, I woke to find my roommate and the two renters who lived upstairs all standing there staring at me. They told me that during the night, the wind had come up from the north and blown open all the windows on the north side of our house. They told me to get up and take that milk can back to the music building, which I did. Lady, you lost it at the end there. You did. It, it, what do you mean milk, milk can? can? No. Nope. I think you mean the Prince Albert tobacco <laughs> can. That was in the milk box. Yes, in the milk box.
1: <sighs> oh my goodness.
0: As she said, there was also a rumor that a Gonzaga student had killed himself in the music building that I don't know any particulars about this. Again, completely possible, probably unrelated. Right. I did everything I could to stay detached from any evil spirits which could have been there. <laughs> Every time I went into the building, I would say, if in truth you do exist, I want no part of you. Good. <laughs> yeah.
1: Me in the basement yeah. all over again.
0: <laughs> <sighs> one, one last thing from user Kimball Campbell. I don't know if this had anything to do with the music building, but one time when I was leaving work, I just got into the sidewalk when I saw two of the biggest dogs I'd ever seen coming quickly at me. I think they were Russian or Irish wolfhounds. <laughs> they seemed menacing, and I walked out into the street and just started screaming and quickly going around in circles like a washing machine agitator, <laughs> like a washing machine <laughs> agitator, with my purse extended. <laughs> After a while, they went away, and I went home. <laughs> So she just (laughs) held her purse out and went, we're We're like dervish, just, (laughs) lady, go inside and call security, what are you
1: doing? You can't go back inside, that's where the Prince Albert tobacco
0: can lives, (laughs) it'll get you. I feel like to her, it's probably, she's saying, I don't know if the dogs had anything to do with the music building, but I'm curious whether her decision to become a washing machine <laughs> agitator had anything to do I think so. with the music building.
1: <laughs> I bet she wishes she could blame that on a demon. No, lady, those yep. were your choices. No one inhabited your body and turned you into a
0: wind-up toy. Yeah, I like to imagine though that Father Leedale looked out the window at this and was like, All right, look at the holy water. There she goes. She's just spinning her way down the street to home. (laughs) Like a little spirograph. I'm just going to shot put her purse.
1: (laughs) I see danger. I know what I'll do. That's not my fear response. Like you said, you don't want to. You don't want to make fun of people who like fight, flight, or freeze. What your body does is what your body does. But I'm going to make fun of that. That is not
0: a <laughs> response. Washing <laughs> yes. <at> the <laughs> yes. Oh my god, this is right up there with you would have thought I was Spider. You would have
1: thought I was Spider Man. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: oh my god, I love that. That's amazing. So yeah, I would love updates from any students at Eastern or Gonzaga mm-hmm. about whether the stories of Monahan Hall and the Dryden Hall demon are still being passed down. What they've evolved into, <laughs> especially if you've seen or heard anything, the stories of the Monahan Hall washing machine agitator. <laughs> if you've <laughs> tried that
1: maneuver, we want to know does it doesn't work? Apparently, it gets yeah. rid of big
0: demon dogs. Somebody loaned me some big dogs, and mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I could see you trying that. Crime-y. Wow. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll plug. I'll, I'll reinstall my EVP thing and walk past Monahan and see what I pick up. Washing machine, <laughs> Tide, washing machine. <laughs> whoop, 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 <laughs> yeah,
1: right. You just assume she makes the Zoidberg noise as she's spinning of in she a does. circle. Yeah, it's a soft-shelled whooping crab. Just. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my lord. Okay, so I think we've learned many important things today, yes. such as how to avoid giant dogs and not to put pepperoni on the windowsill of your hotel room. Two things and I, I didn't don't know. Throw seagulls. <laughs> Three things I didn't know. People, if you need other important life tips from us, you're gonna join us on all our various platforms, mm-hmm. which include Twitter, Facebook, our proprietary <laughs> website at WeecherBods.com, where we're kind of getting caught up with show notes a little. You can go to YouTube. You can subscribe and rate and review on iTunes and Podbean. And if you want to get access to back catalog stuff, unreleased episodes, mm-hmm. outtakes, book previews, all kinds of good stuff, you're going to go to patreon.com slash mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what we're going to do because I don't remember who, who has pledged what and when I thanked you. I would like to thank Laurel for your support, Elden Fragrances for your support, Jason – <laughs> Lucille Valentine, <laughs> Noah Shockley, and Mark Morris. Thank you all for your support as patrons. I'm sorry if I did not. <laughs> You're
1: all beautiful. Thank you in a timely
0: fashion. Thank you so much. In the meantime, friends, please stay safe out there as you live weird. Die
1: weird. And stay weird. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> the pepperonis. <laughs>